Well, amen. You can take your seats, and while you're doing that, let's get our Bibles out and open them up to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, as we continue in our series, Steadfast Endurance, I want to take a look at a message today entitled Boot Camp Training. You'll remember in this story, in this book that Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, Paul is in Rome. He is in prison. He's not very far away from his death, and he's writing to his spiritual son in the faith, kind of his farewell letter. Now, we're going to see in the letter, he he wants Timothy to come and see him. Don't know if that ever happened or not, but he's writing all of these things to give Timothy kind of the, the last This is what I want to say to you. These are the things I want you to have in your toolbox as we, as you move forward in your life. And uh, I came to chapter three, and I, I thought it sounds like a boot camp. It's he's gonna. We got so much to learn so quickly, so much to be poured into, and he just is like drinking from the fire hose uh, through this entire chapter. And I thought of boot camp. uh, men and women join the armed forces and they go to boot camp. You get up at 5 a.m. I don't even know what 5 a.m. is. They get up at 5 a.m. They, they do push-ups. They do marching. They, they do things right. Everything has to be done in a certain way. They're not only learning how to clean your weapon, you're learning how to use your weapon. Um, Soldiers go to boot camp to learn the basics, to learn discipline, to understand their role, to understand the enemy and learn how to fight the enemy. The purpose of boot camp is to prepare the soldier for the battle that is ahead. And that's what we have in this chapter, in these 15 verses, just filled with things uh, to help Timothy so he'll be ready to face the battle. And I believe that the things that Paul was giving to him are things that are just absolutely applicable to us today. And so we want to take a look at this text. So you got your Bibles open. Let's stand together. We want to honor God as we uh, read his word. And I'm going to read starting at verse 1 of chapter 3. But understand this, that in the last days... There will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jannes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as it was uh, that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my hope, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, meet together, whether it's online or in this room. We, we have the opportunity to come and, and worship. We have the opportunity to hear your word. Would you now guide us, Father, as we dive into this passage? God, give us willing ears to hear what your word has to say to us today. Uh, give us minds to be able to comprehend it, Lord. But Lord, then would you give us the faith, the faith, Lord, because of the work of Jesus Christ to live these things out for the glory of our Savior. Do your work in your way, in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can take your seats. I think the big idea for me as I was thinking about this text, the big idea was, I will endure faithfully when my eyes are focused on what is right and what is, what is off from the world or what is right and off of what is from the world. I'll say that again because I totally messed that line up. I will endure faithfully when my eyes are focused on what is right and off of what is from the world. And so in this boot camp training, in this boot camp learning, this fire hose, and we're basically just going to walk right through the chapter because there's so many different things that he said. But here's the first thing. At boot camp, we learn that our world is a mess. We learn that our world is a mess. He says this, but understand this. So as he's going through and helping Timothy and training him and pouring into them, he comes to one of these pivotal statements where he says, but understand this. Don't miss this. And so it's one of those time to sit up straight. It's time to listen. It's time to get your eyes focused on right. Um, but understand this. this. What I'm about to say is so important for you, Timothy, and church, it's so important for us today. Understand this. The next line says that in the last days, in the last days, people think about that. Well, what does that mean? There are really kind of two aspects to in the last days. The first one is the days right before the end, right before the coming of Jesus Christ. And we don't know exactly when that is. I've heard, heard lots of people in the middle of a pandemic, lots of pastors are saying, Lord, would you just please come? Just please come. I don't want to do this anymore. Don't want to preach to an empty room. Don't want to have to worry about distancing. Don't want to care about masks anymore. Don't want to talk to people about vaccines. Uh, Lord, just come. Just come. And uh, so that's one sense of in the last days. But there's another sense of in the last days. And that is everything after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his ascension uh, to heaven, everything between then and when Christ comes back again is the last days. And that's the context that we have in this chapter. In these days that we live. And so that was a long time ago when Paul was writing that to Timothy. It's exactly the same thing as it is today. In the last days. So here's the promise. There will come times of difficulty. There will come times of difficulty. The North American church has had it pretty sweet over our lives. Um, we just had it, especially if you're younger than I am, we've never really suffered through anything. Everything's been kind of handed to us. We've had it pretty nice. But he says, in, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. In the Amplified Bible, it says, perilous times or great stress and trouble. Um, things will be difficult to deal with. 
Are you feeling that today? There will come times of difficulty. I I sure feel it sometimes. I I feel it for the church. I feel it for the struggle of families. I I feel it for the tiredness of a pandemic. And and some of you are facing uncertain kinds of suffering for Christ, even in your own family where you've been rejected or it's promised in Scripture. It's not like we want to get smack up the side of the head with it, but it's just, it's reality. It's a reality that difficult times are coming. It's a reality that it's a struggle some for us. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 41, it says, When they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. You go back into Acts, into the early church, and these men who stood before tribunals and stood before people who were opposed to them, and from time to time got beaten, and, and uh, Paul got stoned, and all of those things. It's like, they were like, this is an amazing thing that we can be worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Troubling times will come. In Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and share his sufferings becoming like him in his death. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 10, and after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, here's the hope, right? After you suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. There will come times of difficulty. Even in our text down in verse 12, it says, indeed, all who desire to live godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Understand this. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Why? Ultimately, because of sin. Ultimately. But now he goes out and he lays, he says, he says this, for people will be, for people will be. People are sinners. We are sinners at at the base of who we are. If you've trusted Christ, you're a sinner who's been saved by grace. That's the difference between you and everybody else. It's not that you're any better. It's just that the Lord Jesus Christ has reached down and touched your life, and you trusted Jesus Christ. And the world is filled with sinners. The Bible says all have sinned. None is righteous. So don't be surprised by sin in the world. Don't be surprised when you face it. Don't be surprised when you struggle with it. It's who we are. It's the base of who we are. And saved in Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit to live above those things with God's help. But we still live in a very fallen world. Our world is a mess. And... uh, You don't have to look far around us to see it. We don't have to look far to see the sin that is rampant everywhere. And and now, Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, he goes just through a whole list of things. And I've got to go through them quickly, or we'll be here until the next service starts. And we're not going to be here until the next service starts. So just be ready and hold on tight and watch as we go through the things that he said. He says, first of all, people will be lovers of self Man, I find that so true in my life. I, I remember as I, I'd done a lot of marriage, uh, premarital counseling with people and all the rest. I remember talking to a couple of the gals a few years ago in the office who I'd done their weddings. As they got married, we met with them and their fiancés, and then they got married. And I, after a, we were sitting in the office one day, and I said, what was the thing that in the first year of marriage you learned about yourself? And the thing, the thing they both said was how self-centered I was. How self-centered I was. It's, it's a worldly thing. 
People are self-centered. Um, John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Why? This is the way people will know you are my disciples if you have love to one another. But it's not what the world is like. The world is self-centered. The world is me first. The world is I want what I want. I'm going to get what I, I get. And so don't be surprised when you see it. It's the way the world is. And when we don't live like that, it shows Christ in us the hope of glory. Lovers of self. Lovers of money. Lovers of money. Um, Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your life free from the love of money. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Oh my word. If I watch another HGTV house reno program and, and Sue and I then have a conversation about what we want to do in our upstairs washroom and in the kitchen and I'm like, first world problems. Like, I wish I had an undermount sink. I wish I had marble. I wish the cabinets were white. I wish we had these poles. I wish things popped a little bit more. Like all those things are just showing a dissatisfaction of all that we have. Um, for the love of money, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierce themselves with many pangs. This, this verse is misquoted so often. It's misquoted to say, uh, for the love of money is the root of all evil. It's, it's all kinds of evil is what the text says. And, and a wrong view of money is it's so distracting for us and so um, paralyzing for us in Jesus Christ. The Lord has promised to meet our need. The Lord has promised to care for us. And yet, and yet we get so focused on, I've got to have a little bit more. I've got to have a little bit more. I've got to have a little bit more. When I think about the love of money, the two words that come to me are greed. Greed. Um, it's the word that comes to mind. It's like, I want more and I've got to have money to get it. And, and then the other part after greed is more, more. Um, I need more. Uh, the great statement about this, about uh, John D. Rockefeller answering the question was, how much money is enough? And his answer was, just a little bit more. How much is enough? Just a little bit more. Money never, never satisfies. Do you know when he made that statement, Rockefeller um, had a net worth of about 1% of the entire U.S. economy. And yet his answer is how much is enough was just a little bit more. Do you find yourself living like that? Do you find yourself just, if we just had a little bit more, if we just had a little bit more and not satisfied with what God has given you and what God has entrusted to you and, and looking around you at people who have need and pouring out of the abundance that we have, um, love of self, the love of money, pride, Pride In Psalm 10, verse 4, it says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Ultimately, pride puts you on the throne and puts God off of the throne. And our world is filled with pride. And my life outside of Christ is filled with pride. 
guarding the heart of a pastor as he preaches. And, and afterwards, it's like, did anybody like it? Did they come and say, well done, there, that was amazing, pastor. And, and you just watch that pride well up inside of you. And we all struggle with it. You struggle with it in different ways than I do, but we all struggle with pride. Pride is me on the throne and God off of the throne. That's what Psalm says. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Pride leads us to godlessness in our lives because it puts us on the throne that belongs to the Lord. And the provisions that we have, instead of seeing them from God, are the things that are from us. That's what the world is like. Paul's describing the world pride. Okay, let's keep going or we'll be here all day. Arrogant. You know what that means. It's like pride. Abusive. The misuse of power or position or possessions to control and manipulate people. Um, one version used it and went as far as to say blasphemers and scoffers as it talks about abusive. Um, disobedient to their parents. Look at the breakdown of parental authority and structure in our world today and the absolute destruction of that. Um, don't be surprised. This is what the world is like. Ungrateful. Ungrateful. Ungrateful says, I deserve this or society owes me. I'm not satisfied. I'm, I'm ungrateful. And we need to stop and, and make a list from time to time on all of the blessings poured on and all that God is doing for us, all of the things that he has given to us and, and be thankful and be grateful because the world isn't grateful. The world by nature wants more and struggles for more and desires more un. Grateful. Now, every single person in the world doesn't demonstrate all of these things. This is a general list Paul is giving. Timothy, watch out. This is what the world looks like. Be careful you don't get caught up in these kind of things. Unholy, not separated to God. Heartless means without natural human affections or a ruthlessness. I'll get what I want at any cost. You see this in the business world anytime. You talk about getting, getting to the man because the man's been trying to get to you for your whole life. It's, it's just a, a sense of being um, heartless and the world is filled with people who, um, they're ruthless, unappeasable. No matter what, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to satisfy do you ever, again, do you ever stop? I need to do this. Do you ever stop and, and just take stock again and, and be satisfied in what Paul, what God has given you? I, I think about Paul in Philippians chapter three and whatsoever state I am to be content. Right? The, world is, the world is unappeasable, filled with slanderous people. Slander defined as the action or crime of making false spoken statements damaging to a person's reputation. Um, if, if, I, if I can't figure you out, if you hurt me, I'm going to take care of you. And the world is filled with slanderous, without self-control, without self-control. I wrote down some thoughts here. No way to stop themselves, no desire to stop themselves, without care for who might get crushed in the process, without self-control. In 1979 or 1980, Sue and I lived in Ottawa. I was an associate pastor in a church there, and we just started. hadn't been there long, and got a call from a Tubman Funeral Home in Ottawa asking if I would come and do a funeral. And now remember, in 1980, I was like 12 years old. Okay, I was a little older than that, but I was a punk for sure. And I'd never done a funeral by myself. 
And uh, so we go into that experience and the Lord opens some doors for us to get experience in all kinds of areas. And, and they're asking me like, would you, would you do this funeral? And I'm like, you understand I've been in this church for not very long. Can, can you phone a few other people first and see? And the guy calls me back about an hour later and he goes, do you know that every Baptist pastor in the denomination we're in in Ottawa is on vacation in July? And so I'm the young punk. I'm the last one left. And I go, oh, okay, I'll do it. So what's the story? And it's about a man who got murdered. It's about a man who got murdered. Um, he had been out in a bar and told, us, told the guys he was drinking with as they got drunker and drunker that, that uh, he didn't like banks. He didn't believe in banks. He kept his, all his money in his house. And long story short, they followed him home and killed him and robbed him. And uh, why? Why? Well, because they're without self-control. Without self-control. Um, and your lack of self-control may not be like that, but it might be in some other ways. Some others, I thought of something uh, funny today as I was coming and looking at the signs at the front and, and under the signs of like, have you coughed or did you, right? And it says, is it hard to swallow, right? And I'm like, hard to swallow? Look at me. I practice every day. Like, it's not hard for me to swallow and I prove it by what I look like, right? So, so well, that, that's about self-control, right? It's about self-control, Without self-control. It goes on to say brutal, not loving what is good, what is treacherous, what is reckless, throwing caution to the wind, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I want what I want so much. I'll set aside what God wants so I can have and get what I want. The pleasures of whether it's of sex or drugs or alcohol or stuff or, or people in my lives. I, but not a lover of God first. And it says they have the appearance of godliness. They look good on the outside, but they deny God's power. Um, and then Paul says this to Timothy. There's the list, Timothy. Stay away from those people. Stay away from those people. So first of all, you don't want to be those people. But in Jesus Christ, stay away from those people. And I, and I thought about that, and it's like, okay, but we, you know, we live in this world. We live in a fallen world, and it's hard for us because we need to avoid it. It's really like, who are you connected to? Who's influencing who? What's happening in your life? And where are you headed? And how are you walking? In 1 Timothy 2 and uh, verse 22, it says, uh, so flee youthful p- passions and pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace. So flee from those things that are dishonoring to the Lord. Stay away from those things. Don't get under the hook of these things. That's what Paul's crying out to Timothy. I'm going to be gone. I won't be around to help you anymore. Uh, Timothy, avoid such people. Why? Because in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul said, the will of God is your sanctification. The will of God is that you would live a separated life and be like Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on and he gives uh, two illustrations of, of what this can look like. And it's interesting because some people have taken these verses, the next couple of verses, so way out of context of what Paul was ever talking about and made it that Paul's anti-women. He thinks Paul, women are stupid. He thinks women should only be in the home. He thinks, right? So it's not what this is about at all. And anybody who's trying to make God's word say that is making, trying to make God's word say something that it doesn't say at all. So that was just a little commercial off to the side about what's not being said here. But look down at, verses, uh, at verse uh, six. From among those are those who creep into households. He's not talking specifically about 
the women he's about to talk to. He's talking about the creeps who are creeping into households and what they're doing. He's talking about the people who have this whole list of things in their lives. But from among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, led astray by various passions, always learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Uh, Women who find themselves in difficult circumstances. And, and these guys try and come in and they try and take advantage. They try and get what they want. Watch out for those people. Stay away from those people. That's what he's saying. And then he goes on to the next two. And he gives, that was the illustration where he uses women. Then he uses these next two dudes. He says, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. Uh, so this is back in the Old Testament. And, and those stood up in opposition. If you read through the whole Old Testament, you won't find their two names. This is the only place in the Bible we find out who some of the people were by name who stood against Moses. But just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as it was for these two Men, if you choose to live a life of this kind of um, background in the boot camp, in the worldliness of that living, you will be found out. You will be discovered. The folly of what you're doing, it will be revealed. If not in this age, then in the age to come. But in the day that we live, church, church, avoid these people. Avoid these things and avoid being like them thinking you can somehow have one foot in this and one foot with Jesus Christ. And so he starts out in the text in our boot camp learning. He says, our world is a mess. Our world is a mess. But then he goes on and we see in verses 10 to 13 about boot camp, we learn that our rescue is secure. Our rescue is secure. Look at uh, verses 10 to 13. You, however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, and my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, uh, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived." You, however, this is another one of those take notice things. So he starts out by, understand this. And he goes on and he talks about all those things. And now he goes on to the next thing and he says, you, however, Timothy, take notice. This is important again. How did you get to where you are? What are the pieces that are so important for you? You, however, says, you have followed my teaching. You followed my teaching. Remember, Paul is Timothy's spiritual father teaching him from the word of God, the principles to live his life by. Uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. Paul, Paul sought to live a life so that those who are around him could just, just follow my example, follow my example. You go, well, that could be a little bit arrogant. Oh, well, he didn't stop there in 1 Corinthians 11. 1. Be imitators of me, what? As I am of Christ. But we have that responsibility before our kids, before those in our small groups, before one another to live an example. Um, you followed my teaching. And then he goes on, he says some other things. He says, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. So I'm going to break each of those down and really just put one statement with each of them. You think about it. My conduct, 
Follow after my conduct. That's, that's what I do. Watch what I do and do what I do. Um, it kind of makes me a little bit nervous to say, watch what I do, do what I do. But if we're truly living before Christ, not perfect, we're never going to be perfect. There's always going to be a, a need to be uh, repenting. There's always going to be a need to, to be confessing. And that's all part of watch what I do. But he says, watch what I do. Watch my conduct. Watch what I do. Then he says, watch my aim of life. That's why I do it. Watch my aim. Why do I do it? Um, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's what it, the, the shorter catechism says. Watch my aim of life. Um, do your kids know what your aim in life is? Do, does your spouse, does your boyfriend, does your girlfriend, do your friends know this is about what I'm about in my life? Watch my conduct. Watch my aim of life. Watch my faith. Watch my faith. I wrote that. Where my hope is found. Watch where my hope is found as I go through the difficult time. And Do I become a woe is me person? Or I go, okay, Lord, you're going to have to help us with this. We need your help with this. Watch my faith. Watch my patience. I wrote down, that's my discipline. Watch my discipline as I go through these things in my life. Watch my love. Watch what motivates me. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. This is the way people will know you are my disciples. We already read from John 13. Watch, watch my love. He says, keep your eye on my steadfastness or my endurance. It speaks of his endurance. And so Paul kind of lays these things out for Timothy so that he can see them in him and he'll never forget those things because Paul's going to be gone very soon. And Timothy, remember these things, remember these things. Starting with the things I taught you, that's the most important things. We're gonna come to the end of chapter three uh, next week and we're gonna learn about the word of God. All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture and is profitable. Why? So that the man of God can be thoroughly equipped to do what he needs to be able to do. And we're going to look at that next week, but Paul starts out with that. Um, our life verse, Sue and I, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your neighbor is not. It's never in vain. And so Paul gives these things. I, I remember I was a youth director a long time ago in a denominational group. And um, we used to, I used to teach this thing, four, four ways to kind of put the grid you need to put things through. And I think they really uh, tie nicely to this. Uh, so this might help you, or maybe you'll just take that verse and use it. But I used to use these four words, goals, graphics, lyrics, lifestyle. Actually, I can remember that. It was easy for me. Trying to put through stuff through the grid of goals, Graphics, lyrics, lifestyle. If you're thinking about should I do something or, or should I follow that person or should I listen to that music or should I watch that on TV or, or should I whatever? Should I play that game or, or whatever it is? Like, put it through that gift. What are the goals? What, what are they going for? What are they going after? Is it self-serving? Is it other centers? And what do they believe? What are the goals? And then, and then what are the graphics? That's a, what are they doing? Um, what does it look like? Now, what are the lyrics? What are they saying? And looking and seeing and seeing if it's filled with truth. All those things in Philippians 4. Whatsoever things are. And if it isn't, avoid those things. And then what's the lifestyle? What does it say? Um, uh, does what they say and what they do, does it mesh? Does it come together? And so Paul, as he's coming to Timothy, he kind of goes back to, here's our resource, but our, our, our rescue is Secure. Look at uh, verses 11 and, uh, and verse 12. 
uh, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, all these places where you're thrown in prison or kicked out of town, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. The Lord rescued me. Uh, God took care of him. God met his need. God did what God does best. Um, the Lord rescued me. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Um, Paul knew. Paul knew that his hope was in the Lord and, and God would work for him and through him. And then it says, while evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, the world will continue. The world is in a decline. Sin is rampant. We live in it, but we're not to be of it. Um, Psalm 73, verses 16 and 17. Uh, the psalmist is going through a difficult time. He's seeing the world around him, seeing it get ahead, and he's wrestling. And he says, when I thought to understand all of this, it's too much for me when I start to understand all all of this, it seemed to me a wearisome task, and then here it is, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I got my eyes back where my eyes belong and got my eyes off of, why can't I have a two-car garage? Why don't I have a pool in my backyard? Why don't I, until I got my eyes off of those things and got my eyes onto who God is, and then he says, then I discerned their end. Then it made sense to me. It won't seem fair, and you won't have victory until you see things as God sees them. Hebrews eleven twenty four to 26 says, By faith Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Whoa. Maybe that needs to be our life verse or our verse for this month. I'm, I'm going to look forward to the reproach of Christ and seeing it as greater than the wealth that we have all around us because he was looking for what? He was looking for the reward, the well-done, good, and faithful servant, the, well, the welcome home that comes at the end. Well, here's the third thing out of the text. Our boot, at boot camp, our task is clear. Our task is clear. And so we understand that our rescue is secure. We understand we live in a messy world. But here's the third thing. Our task is clear. Um, there's two things I really want to highlight in this and found in verses 14 and verse 15. Again, he comes back to this, but as for you, right? It's another one of those points in this fire hose of things he's going on is, but as for you, but as for you, Timothy, take note again, but as for you, um, this is where we go from here, he's saying. Continue in what you have learned. That's one of the two major thoughts of this word, continue. You don't give up. You keep leaning in. You keep trusting. Why? Because the reward is so awesome that God might, even before the reward of heaven, God might use you that someone would trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. We heard a testimony of faithful parents uh, taking a son to church. He didn't get it all. He didn't get it all figured out until later in his life. But God used them in that story. That was an amazing part of the testimony. And, and so parents, you look at your kids and you go, oh, no, no, they're not going around. Just, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Trust the Lord. Continue. You, the people you work with, continue with them. Um, continue in what you have learned. Philippians 4 and 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. 
things that you have seen. Continue in them and have firmly believed. So the first word is the word continue and the second word is the word believe. That's, this is what our task is moving forward to. Continue to not give up and to believe. And what do you believe? What are the non-negotiables in your life? What are the things that I'm standing on this? If it costs me my job, I'm standing on this. If it costs me my family, I'm standing on this. I'm, I'm standing on who God is. I'm standing on what the word of God is. I'm standing on who Jesus Christ is. These are the things, the things that you have firmly believed. We need to continue. We need to believe. And he says this, knowing from whom you learned it. Um, Paul had invested in this young man. He'd been a model. He said, I've tried my best, Paul. I've done everything I can, knowing from whom you believe. But it wasn't just him and how from your childhood. In the very part, first part of the book, we learned about his grandmother and his, and his mother and, and how you had been trained, Paul, um, and people who had invested in you and this child that you had. You, you had a life where, where you learned, which are, and then it finishes with this statement, which were able to make you wise for salvation, through faith in Christ Jesus. The things that you had as an example to you, the people who poured into you, they brought to you the truth so you could have salvation in Jesus Christ. There's salvation found in no other name except in Jesus Christ. And Timothy had learned that. He'd put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. His hope wasn't in, in Paul. His hope wasn't in his mom. His hope wasn't in his grandma. Oh God, although God used all those things in his life, his hope, his hope was in the salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, our hope is not found in what we get or what we have or whether we finish first. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The consequences of all of those things that are in the first part of this message is that sin separates us from God and there's no hope. All those things just prove all of that. We are self-centered, self-righteous. You're like, who are you to tell me that? I'm telling myself that. That's what I was before Jesus Christ. But God, but God, when we were in our sin, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be our savior. And then the Bible says, believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That was, that was Paul's message to Timothy. That was Timothy's hope. That is the hope of our church. That is the hope of eternal life. That we would know him, the hope of glory. If you've never trusted Christ as your savior, you can do that today. It's understanding. I'm like like that guy in the first list. I'm that guy. Too many of those things in my life. I'm that guy. It separated me from God. And today God is speaking to you, whether you're watching or whether you're here in the room. Simple faith. I'm a sinner. I'm part of that messed up world. I need a savior. The savior is Jesus Christ. The answer is not me. The answer is him. And today I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. You can pray that prayer. You can come to God before that and you will be saved. Well, so what? So what? Back to the big idea. I will endure faithfully when my eyes are focused on what is right and off of what is from the world. We live in this messed up world. 1 John 2 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's your hope. That's my hope. Our world is a mess. 
Our rescue is secure because of our trust in a Savior. So let's stand with the Lord. Let's stick with it. Let's continue and, and let's be faithful in what God's called us to, to be used for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Steadfast endurance. When it's hard, I will lean in. I will trust the Lord because he alone is my hope. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and I thank you for it. I thank you for the fire hose of information that Paul just poured out and poured out on Timothy. He gave him so many things that are so helpful for us to see and understand, Lord, as as he he poured those things out to him, Lord. We've heard those things as well. Help us, Lord, to to do the check in our lives of those things that worldliness looks like and how are we being caught up in those things and repent and ask for forgiveness and move to restoration and move forward in our walk with you to honor you, to live our lives because of what Christ has done and to serve you well, committed, leaning in, believing, trusting, and watching you do what only you can do for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.